Now, here's your host of Sound Off, Brad Bennett. We are back, hour number two, and as we always do on the last Wednesday of the month, hour number two of the show is dedicated to the logging industry here in Minnesota and across the country, and we have our good friend Peter Wood with us, and Peter is going to introduce his guest first off, who I understand uh, have all kind of congregated in one area and are using one phone. Uh, that's the uh, crazy uh, period of time we are in today. But, uh, Peter, you've got Marty, Pete, and Dave with you. Do you want to introduce them and talk a little bit about what you want to introduce today? Yes, Brad. Folks, thanks for letting us back in again. It's great to be back and talking about the timber industry. I want to thank you all for allowing us this time. Uh, if I could just give you, if, if folks out there are listening, if you could, uh, while we do the show, if you kind of think of it this way, um, think of a, think of a, like a big ship. And the timber industry is like a big ship. And the ship, some ends of the ship ride smooth, some ride rough. But as a ship as a whole, it all floats together. It's all hooked together one way or another. And the byproduct, the products from that ship, everybody uses every part of every day all the time so if you could keep that in mind as we talk about the show today because if if the ship goes down remember folks everybody goes with the ship and the same thing you can figure about that also with what's going on with the country i'm not going to talk about that at all other than the ship is all one ship whether great or small if it goes down everybody goes with it and this is just another snapshot you could say of the timber industry of what can take place and we have with us Pete Abbey from Bemidji area, uh, Dave Hengel from Bemidji area, and Marty, I hope I say your name right, Goulet from International Falls area. And uh, guys, uh, I hope you're there. Are you there? We're here. We are. For sure. Okay. There they are. Scratchy there. Good, good. And uh, folks, if we could, uh, I'd like to have Pete open it up of uh, introduce yourself there a little bit, Pete, who you are. And then uh, what? The, and then we're going to go to Dave and then to Marty about what their project is over in that area because there's a, there's a there's a big need for material and there's a big supply of the material. Pete, are you there? Yes, I am. Thanks, Peter, and uh, thank you for bringing us on to let the sawdust fly and the opportunity to speak to your listeners of, about an important, exciting opportunity for the timber industry. Uh, my name is Pete Aubey, uh, a 40-year uh, experienced, retired manager in the forest products industry. I've worked around Minnesota in mills and in forests for, for the past 40 years. I'm retired and still am active in economic development. I'm on the board of Greater Bemidji over here, which is uh, one of the... Uh, one of the entities that are active in this opportunity, and we'll be talking to Dave Hengel later about this. I also follow my passion in forestry, continuing. I'm, I'm chair of the Minnesota Forest Resources Council most recently. But as part of my work in economic development, we, for the last 15 years, have assembled uh, interest in forestry, state, county, federal, private, uh, 
folks that come around the table every month here in Bemidji and talk about forestry. It's still a very, very large part of our economy. Dave will speak to that. And an emerging issue, and now what has become the number one issue, not only in the Bemidji area, but also uh, with the Itasca Development Corporation and the, the Grand Rapids Chamber, is the, the declining markets for forest residuals. And forest residuals are things that are left over after sawmilling and after logging. And we have lost uh, some demand for material. We've had some closures of mills over the last five years. As, as many of you know, we have uh, lost about a million and a half tons of demand from closures at the, by the Benson Power Plant. Uh, the UPM closure of, of uh, paper machine number five. We've seen uh, Minnesota Power reduce wood use in Grand Rapids. We've reduced some uh, capacity in pulp milling by the, by the closure of the Versal mill at Sartell, and in addition to uh, Resolute shutting down its Fort Francis pulp mill. That has affected loggers and sawmills dramatically, and I'll, I'll be speaking to sawmills specifically in that when a sawmill procures logs and makes lumber, about half of the material that goes into a sawmill comes out as lumber. The other half comes out as something that we're going to term as residuals. They're bark, okay. sawdust, chips, planer shavings. All those things uh, are uh, have been b bought and purchased, and we have seen declining markets for those residuals. And sawmills, as a result, this is the number one issue is facing their businesses, is what do we do with these residuals? Uh, we're building piles. Uh, those are costly piles, they're, they're problems with fires and what have you, but this is the number one issue that faces our industry. And so as economic developers, we have been pursuing opportunities and markets to grow the market for residuals. And we have done that. And we have, uh, David will be speaking soon about the the, the market that we've we've uh, have come to us, but in addition to uh, the creating the market for for sawmill and forest residuals, this this pellet industry, a pellet plant, we're going to be speaking about diversifies the industry into a glo global energy market. So it allows us to diversify around. The pulp mills continue to run and are very, very important parts of their business, but they cannot utilize all this material. So by diversifying the market, we put the market on a much more solid ground. We can provide for much more efficient use of the material, including improved management of the forest by utilizing species that are prevalent on the landscape, like ash and tamarack and basswood, uh, that are not being utilized by conventional markets. So there's really a triple win in what we're going to speak about. It's very important to the forest. Uh, as we uh, talk to people about this, 
we have excitement. Uh, if you land, if you own timberland, you understand um, the the necessary for markets in order to manage those timberlands. If you're a logger, you understand the importance of markets for the species and products that are not being demanded today. And we have an opportunity to create those markets and diversify and, and help our economy and our forests. Uh, okay. Um, this, now, folks, if, keep in mind, now uh, we're going to be going to Dave here, Brad, real, right next. But if keep in mind what I said at the beginning. It's a big ship, and the ship floats. Some are in good condition, some are not. Nice riding and not nice riding, but the ship is all hooked together. Keep that in mind as we go about this. And Dave, Dave, are you there? I am. I'm Great. Here. Thanks for uh, thanks for having me. Yep. Uh, could you elaborate a little bit on what uh, what the plans are over in Bemidji on the pellet plant and that? Could you? Sure. And, and uh, again, thanks for having me and uh, on and. Uh, chance to talk a little bit about not just a uh, project that impacts Bemidji, it certainly impacts all of northern Minnesota. Uh, and it's a big deal, as Pete said, for the industry. The wood industry remains critical to our economy in the North Country, there's no doubt about it. And and while, uh, as Pete said, uh, this is our biggest challenge facing uh, the wood industry right now, it also, if you want to flip it on its head, it's also our biggest opportunity. And I think that's how we approach things in economic development, is, is how do you create uh, and, and, and flip your challenge to your opportunity. And so we, we're uh, attempting to do that. And so when we heard about the residual market and the opportunities that are there, um, we reached out to the third largest wood pellet manufacturer in the nation to see if there isn't just an opportunity right here to do that and uh, to take advantage of a project here. And, and, and it's, it's uh, sprung from there, uh, the potential of a project. And we're right now looking at the the potential of constructing a $30 million plant uh, in northern Minnesota. Um, it, it would employ uh, 45 people directly, but indirectly it'll be 245 people. It'll be a 20 to 1 uh, return on the investment to the state of Minnesota. It's a great deal for the state. You know, in, in my world of economic development, Peter, you, um, you think about ec your economy as a bucket, all right? And, and, and water in a bucket. And a couple things you want to do is, first off, you want to stop the leaks. Uh, and secondly, you want to add water to the bucket. In this case, uh, stopping the leaks is, is really uh, the residuals uh, leaving our area is a leak. And we're losing opportunity by allowing that to happen. And so this project allows us to plug that leak real, real nicely and keep those, those opportunities here. And then secondly, when you add water, it's about bringing additional resources, financial uh, dollars to your economy from the outside. And this is, uh, this is uh, export market is huge for our region. Uh, to be able to bring in uh, financial resources and, uh, from other areas of the nation and the world uh, to our area uh, is significant. And that's why this is such a big deal. And it's, it's very rare that in my, in my job where you kind of find a win-win-win project, and this is a win-win-win project. If you think about it, you know, this is very good for the mills. There's no doubt about it. Uh, this will be helpful to the mills, and it will be helpful to the loggers uh, that are, are scattered throughout the state and certainly in northern Minnesota. But you also need to think about who also benefits is the landowners. And in Minnesota, a majority of the landowners uh, of the forest land is us. That's us as taxpayers of the state of Minnesota. We will be a significant beneficiary to this as taxpayers in the state. And then finally, you know, 
uh, I don't want to lose sight of the fact that this is good for the environment. I mean, this is uh, this will help our forests. It will keep our forests healthy uh, and allow us to use underutilized species and species that typically get diseased if they don't get used. And so, this is one of those projects that's just a win-win-win for everyone. David, this is Brad Bennett. Uh, I I have a question for you. My mind is going to 85 million miles an hour listening to you and Pete talk so far about this. Uh, But but clarify a little bit for me, if you would. You'll have a plant there in the Bemidji area, but I visualize that you'll take the leftovers or I think it's called the the uh, residuals the sawdust, the leftover parts when you're cutting wood, will you take them from other plants as well, and will they be shipped to that plant uh, to be converted into wood pellets? Is that So you won't just do it at that plant, but you'll take other plants' residuals as well. Is that what I'm hearing? Yes, Brad. So when when this opportunity surfaced, and we... This, the state of Minnesota also does this. It looks at the markets for residuals. First thing I did is when we had this opportunity was answer the question of how big should this plant be? And in an afternoon, I called uh, seven of the largest sawmills in, in Minnesota and asked if they were interested and all said affirmatively, enthusiastically, and, and how much volume would you like to sell to the plant and came up with 140,000 tons. And, <laughs> yes, and again, as you drive around northern Minnesota, you will see the piles, and, yes. and whether it's McGregor or Grand Rapids or Bemidji or up in Baudette, um, every one of these sawmills has material and it, and it needs to move. And so we, we, uh, and then we also talk to loggers, loggers that can provide clean residuals. Uh, these would be welcome. Uh, things that are left over on timber sales, and one logger alone said that I can do 40,000 tons a year. So that uh, there's, there's, we, we've lost a million and a half tons of, of demand out there that we're going into power plants and what have you. And, and, and this will take, this will utilize those materials. So this, this plant will not, this plant will make pellets. It will receive all of its, all of its wood stock from the forest or other manufacturing facilities that employ people across the state. Okay. Well, David, talk a little bit, if you would. Well, you know what? We, we're commercial radio, so we have to take a quick commercial break here. But when we come back, maybe you talk a little bit about what can be done with the pellets that you convert from the residual market, the leftover residuals. I know, for example, we have a sponsor on our program on a regular basis, Duluth Stoven Fireplace, one of the biggest uh, new, well, it's not new, but it's been around a long time, but uh, they burn wood pellets in a lot of these wood-burning stoves. They don't burn logs anymore. They they find that the pellets are much more efficient, plus you're getting into more and more pellets even in barbecuing type of situations. So maybe we can talk a little bit about what the needs will be for the pellets that will be manufactured up there. But let's take a quick break, uh, Kenny, and uh, and then we'll come back with more from uh, Pete Wood and his guests, uh, Marty Pete 
Pete and Dave. I've been listening to your show on the radio. The best of sound off Sunday mornings, 830 to 9, with the commandant of Common Sense, Brad Bennett. And you seem like a friend to me. Blush! The fur, the mighty Scots pine, the smell of fresh-cut timber, the crash of mighty trees. With my best girl by my side, we'd sing, sing, sing. I'm a lumberjack and I'm okay. I sleep all night and I work all day. He's a lumberjack and he's okay. He sleeps all night and he works all day. I cut down trees, I eat my lunch, I go to the laboratory. On Wednesday I'll go shopping and have buttered scones for tea. See, uh, Marty and Pete and Dave, this is our way of taunting Pete Woods once a month when he comes in. We have to play that song on a regular basis for him. (laughs) I still laugh every time. It's ridiculous. so corny. It's still laughable. It's constant laugh. I was I was thinking on this really quick on the you remember when he was saying hundred and forty thousand tons. I don't have a calculator in front of me, but figure That's a lot of semis, wood. The, the semis that you see going down the road with wood, figure if you if you could just look at maybe each one taking thirty tons at a time. They're talking hundred and forty thousand tons here. I don't have a calculator in front of me, but that's a lot, a lot, a lot of loads. A it lot. Certainly is. I believe there's way more yeah. than that out there. Well, so, so talk a, talk a little bit, you guys, if you would, about the the market for wood pellets. Uh, I would assume there's probably a commercial market for generating plants and those kinds of things, but I know there's got to be a big market for them in in wood burning fireplaces, stoves, those kinds of things as well. Yeah, this is this is Marty Goulet, and and Peter, you did get it right. Uh, maybe I, I'll give you a little background on, on myself, and then I'd probably be best positioned to talk about the market. But um, okay. like, like Peter mentioned, uh, we have a family business up in International Falls. So I, I drove down about two hours south today to be at Bemidji with these guys and gave me a chance to listen to Let the Sawdust Fly. And so I uh, just wanted to say you guys are doing a great job, and you got a new listener here. But uh, So I'm honored to be on the show. But Wagner Construction is a third-generation family business, so my wife's grandpa in 1940, started the business with the first pulp loader in in our county. Uh, my father-in-law, Dennis Wagner, he, he cut his teeth in the woods. You know, so sawdust is in his boots. It's in the DNA of our company, and it's it, it, it's today. It's a small part of what we do. We have a, a construction company that does work all over North America. Um, okay. We're involved in all kinds of different types of businesses. For example, I sit on the board of a couple ethanol plants down in southern Minnesota. But we're also, uh, I'm the founder of a company called Highland Pellets. Um, it's the third largest wood pellet plant in North America, located down in Pine Bluff, Arkansas. And that plant wow. really started in 2012 with us looking at doing a project in Minnesota. And so we, at that time, we... We looked at it every possible which way we could to get, put a plant here, just could not pencil it out. It was a new industry at the time, and the, the big demand for, for wood pellets is not domestic. It's actually globally. So the rest of the world has looked at carbon and said, we need to reduce our carbon footprint. Uh-huh. 
And the way to do that is to penalize using coal and, and incent using other forms of lower carbon solutions, of which wood pellets has been the primary um, um, one that they've used. So we've gone from, in the last eight years, you've seen coal usage cut in half and wood pellet usage doubled. You know, I, I just built a home here in, in International Falls. Um, got a couple of Duluth stove and fireplaces in there. Uh, I put a wood pellet boiler in my house, so I heat my house with wood pellets. I'm a huge believer in the domestic market, but today it's, it's for what we're talking about and the scale of, of you know, when you say 140,000 tons in an afternoon, the domestic market barely even puts a dent in that. You know, we're talking. Oh, sure. And so, so what we're going to do with the pellets we produce here is we would put them on a, um, a rail, we'd ship them to the west coast where there's already a couple established um, loadout facilities, put them on a ship and they would go to Asia. Japan has recently passed an incentive that they, they give to their coal plants to, to either totally replace using coal or co-fire using wood pellets and they've guaranteed a certain price to them for 20 years and so these customers can turn around and give us a 20-year take-or-pay contract so imagine that business model where you can build a plant and know you've sold every single ounce of, of product you make for the next 20 years and so that's what we're talking about from a market standpoint for our planet. That, that is absolutely, absolutely phenomenal. And when when you think about it, uh, Marty, the the idea of the easy shipment of pellets once once you convert that leftover uh, residual sawdust and wood and everything else into pellets, they're very easy to transport. I would think so. The, putting them on a on a plane, putting them on other transportation, a train and things like that should be very easy to do, I would think. Yeah, it's done every single day. So the, so the world the world in 2000, there was some, a little less than 5 million tons moving around the world. Today it's almost 30 million. And so it's coming from all, all over the world. And, and to date it's primarily gone to Europe. And, and more recently it's, it's starting to go to Asia. But yeah, they sit in these... 60,000 metric ton Panamax ships that sail around the world. 60,000 metric tons, Marty? Did you say 60,000 metric tons? 60,000 metric tons in a, in a Panamax ship. Can you imagine what that is? How many? That's more than one train load, I'll tell you that. That's, that's 60,000 cords, Peter, for the people that like cords. 60,000 cords? Yeah, a metric Ooh. ton is pretty close to a cord. Yeah. And, you better and get busy out in the out, woods, Peter. <laughs> I, I, I might point out that, you know, th there's a number of countries doing this, and one of the leaders uh, is Canada. And uh, much like in the United States, we've seen some reduced demand for, for pulp and paper and what have you. And, and the, there are a number of pellet plants. I think there are 17 now in Canada that are sited next to sawmills, that are keeping those, they're using those residuals out of sawmills that used to go into paper, and some still do, 
but the Canadians have built an industry. That's where the, the pellet ports are, for Vancouver and Prince Rupert, and they've built an industry around and keeping their forests healthy by keeping their sawmills healthy, and that that material is they're making pellets and shipping it shipping it to Asia. And I'll, and I'll think on that, folks. It's still remember what I said. Just keep thinking on a big ship. We're all in this boat together. And one thing that if for individual their listeners, if you could imagine, if you go and buy some real nice grade lumber, let's say a sawmill is cutting beautiful hardwood sawlock, and they're doing one by sixes for paneling, one by six, one by six. Every time that saw cuts, it's taking a quarter inch. Every fourth board, one just went in the sawdust pile. Okay, and this is another market that would greatly help to keep all this working. So, guys, when you have this product, I mean, I see these, you know, as you tra- travel around the states, you see these large piles of sawdust like at S- at Sappy and places like that. Would you mix that in with it to make this product? Is that it's kind of a a big process that you uh, pulverize all of this leftover wood and make it into pellets? Is that kind of the concept, or explain it a little bit? That's a, that's exactly right. Um, what we've targeted is is somewhere around forty percent of our fiber mix will be just pure sawdust. A lot of it will be okay. chips, sawdust, and and you can have a little bit of bark in there, but you got we got to. We have a customer that's really concerned about the ash content, and so there's only so much bark that can hit hit the pellet. Um, there's certain specs okay. that we need to meet, but but you're primarily your, you know, a little over 50% wood chips and 40% sawdust and 10% other stuff. Well, guys, we have to take our Fox News break here at the bottom of the hour. But when we come back, let's talk a little bit more. It sounds to me like the United States is maybe a little slow in going into this industry, uh, uh, maybe I'm wrong, but it it sounds like uh, like uh, Asia, Japan, and Canada have been much faster into seeing the the future here. But it makes sense that if you're not burning coal uh, and you're burning wood instead, wood pellets, you're having a lot less uh, harm to the environment. So maybe we can talk a little bit about that. The market that might be there in the United States as we move along as well. So we're going to take our Fox News break, gang, and then we'll come back with uh, Peter Wood and his three guests this morning talking about a great new plant, uh, exciting new plant up in the Bemidji area that will manufacture wood pellets. So we'll be right back. 710 and FM 98.1 WDSM. Wood chopper's ball, Peter, to bring us back here on Sound yeah. Off. <laughs> could you could you imagine me trying to dance to that music? Not me. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> it would not fit. It would not fit. But I'll, I'll take a, a what you're saying at the end there, Brad. Before we want to break, is what why 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 is the reason that uh, 
that uh, this is kind of almost like hidden. Remember I used to say at the beginning when we started doing this program with you is that the timber industry is a hidden industry. We're everywhere, yes. yet we're not even seen at all. This exactly. is one of the reasons why. And through you and Kenny and the, and the radio station, we get the word out a little bit more where folks out there can start to understand that if, if you lose the timber industry, the nation as a whole, the whole economy will collapse because there's so many tentacles hooked together. And that's why I say the ship. It's one big ship. And this is just another snapshot of something that is very important that could fly. And, 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 and with, with the guys in Bemidji, there's, there's a, I would like to elaborate a little bit more on logistics. That's a big thing with the commodities. Now, if you look at the United States, halfway across the United States is somewhere, I think, in like the Dakotas, Nebraska, right in there. That's about halfway. Now, we're looking at Minnesota, okay, trying to ship a product to the West Coast. Now, if we can do it in Minnesota, which it can be, because I'd like the guys in Bemidji to elaborate on that a little bit, it can be done. It can be. It's, and if it can be done there, folks, it can be done anywhere in the United States. It can be. Well, guys, uh, Peter, let me just relay a message that one of our listeners sent me as we were talking here this morning. This listener burns wood in, in his house. Uh, as a you know as a secondary heating source he said think about the numbers they're talking about out of this plant in Bemidji he said when I burn wood at my home I burn 10 cords all winter he said that ship that they're talking about that carries 60,000 cords on it he said, it just blows my mind to think about the, the volume that could be done in this plant. Yes. Uh, guys out there, Bemidji, want to you know, elaborate on that just a little bit more? I'd like to get into like the transportation end of it here, too, because there's something very important there, I believe. Sure. Before we went to break, you, were, you, you wanted to understand the, why this market isn't in the USA. And right. really, it comes down to how the EPA defines carbon neutrality with between coal and wood pellets. So basically, in their eyes, they look at it as no difference whether you're burning coal or wood pellets. Think about that. Coal that's been under the earth for millions of years, that carbon has been stored away, being brought back up and burnt versus a tree that's already out above ground that that captures carbon you know so if you have a healthy forest and it's growing you're actually you're actually reducing carbon in the world and they they look at that as the same where the rest of the world has basically said that that if it if it's coming from a forest that's growing there's a carbon benefit in doing that and so much so when you use their calculators and you factor in all the transportation all to get it halfway across the world it's a 90 80 to 90% reduction in 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 carbon footprint. So um, basically it comes down to changing the definition at the EPA of of the carbon impact of of wood pellets. So guys, I think this will change. I I think America will see uh, as we go along here the benefit to this. And as that happens, that'll open up even a huger market, won't it? I mean, you may have to build five Bemidji's (laughs) plants. Well, I think it, in terms of as as each state and even the nation looks at carbon and, cli- and climate change, I think you're right. Things will change. 
And I think the message uh, at the state level is, as Governor Walsh looks at uh, climate and carbon, uh, we're talking about forests playing a special role. It has a special yes. role certainly in sequestering carbon, taking carbon dioxide and turning it into wood. Uh, forest products, we can turn those that carbon into long-lived uh, uh, products like lumber into homes and furniture. And then the residuals can go into an energy product that can be replaced coal in its baseload energy portfolio. And I think it's just a matter of time. There is work being done. I think there is work being done with the EPA to try to bring carbon neutrality, the definition of wood, uh, back to neutral or better. And in fact, I think there's a there's a bill out there in, uh, in the in the Congress, and I think uh, Pete Stauber signed on to it called the Trillion Tree Bill. And many things in that bill in terms of encouraging forest management, but also the part important part to that again, if you want to encourage forest management, diversify and 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 one of the one of the things that the bill asks for is that the EPA to speak to carbon neutrality for wood. And if right. that is removed, I think we will see a different posture in the use of wood as in our energy portfolio in this country. And in this well, state. guys, this this is absolutely exciting. How far along is this concept for this plant in Bemidji? I mean, you talked about a $30 million plant that will have at least 25 employees working full-time, plus all of the logging industry that will be affected. How far along are you? Do you have financing? Have you looked at a location? I don't know who wants to talk to that, but... Yeah, I'll, this is Dave. I'll start to, and, and let Marty chime in. But, I do, you know, the key here is, is we'll be ready to crank it up, but there's, we're waiting on uh, some legislation at the state level that I think is significant for your listeners to, to help us with, which is just like the ethanol industry, we're looking for a production incentive to help us with those transportation costs that you just talked about. To get us from sure. Minnesota to the West Coast to ship over to Asia is difficult uh, and puts Minnesota at a competitive disadvantage when it comes to pellets. And so uh, we're, uh, with the help of Representative Purcell and Senator Eichhorn, uh, uh, we have put together a bill, Senate File 3229 and House File 3484, that will help us uh, with those transportation costs and, and, and spur this plant. And so once, those, once that passes, and we encourage our listeners to, to contact our legislators to support this legislation, um, once that passes, I think we'll be ready to crank it up. And Marty, maybe you want to chime in on that. Um, yeah, so ba basically, like Dave said, I mean, we're, we're ready to put a shovel in the ground, but uh, we do need an incentive from the state to do it and we are scheduled to go in front of them we've been out and talked to our legislators we want to get support everywhere we can and as soon as as soon as we get some um clarity on that then we'll, we'll be ready to to start and so well, that's exciting. You know, I was thinking, in fact, one of our listeners just chimed in and sent me a note during this, too, that said many uh, arid areas in South America burn pellets for heat and cooking. Um, and I just wonder if there isn't a huge market even in that for like in India and things like that. It's not a market that that they're able to 
pay the amount that we we need to justify you know shipping it halfway that that would be uh, sure but from a domestic standpoint um, okay so right now the real markets are, are Japan South Korea Germany the UK you know first world countries that have put these incentives in place that are taking the the global climate um, Paris Accord numbers uh, seriously and, and using pellets as part of their way to get to those numbers I would love to see to me the big market is is the US at some point it's just yes, not there right, right now it makes it makes no sense to send this halfway across the world when we could be doing the same thing here but that that that's out of our control we can only we can only deal with the, the cards that are played to us right now and the market right now to make this thing work would be Asia well, and I, and I know that Congressman Stauber has talked numerous times about the the the, uh, the real critical issue of ending America's reliance on foreign supply chains, that we have to be reliant on ourselves. This would seem to me one of those areas that, that we could uh, be very self-reliant on. Absolutely. And to clarify on the incentives that is being... Uh, saw it. There, there are plenty, you know, in the economic development world, many states and, and industries receive incentives to make the, to take the risk and make the investment. And this one is no different, that the investors will, uh, you know, capitalize the $30 million, build the plant, take all the risk, and are not paid an incentive until that product is produced and delivered to market. If okay. there was a domestic market, that incentive will not be, be required. So, again, Peter, it's, did, uh, it's, it's $2.5 per, per uh, $25 per uh, bone dry metric ton. Okay. And that $2.5 million of incentive a year turns into $57 million of return for the state Jeez. of Minnesota. That's a wow. 20 to one. And it will help loggers, and it will help our forest landowners, of which the state of Minnesota owns 5 million acres of land. 2.5 million acres of that is school trust land that sends a check every year to the school districts across the state. Yep. And we have to constantly remind people because somehow people think, okay, you cut all this wood down and it'll never come back. Forests are a renewable resource that grow constantly. You, uh, and I know we've talked to Peter in the past. You guys actually plant more trees than you cut usually in the forest industry. Uh, Peter, did you have something else you wanted to throw in about how this relates to other local mills and things? Yeah, this 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 this, um, this would be a big plus across the state. Now, granted, we're talking Bemidji area right now, but if if you, if you could look at it this way, as it, if it could grow and start growing, I call them pots. It's like there's a pot growing here, and when that one's going, you could go, you could move down the line more and more. You 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 don't even have to look at just Minnesota. You could look at Wisconsin. You could go over to what's called the Paper Valley, Green Bay, and Appleton. They're right on the big lake there. You could even sure. duplicate that there. I mean, this is and that's why I say if you could do it from here, if you can do it from anywhere. This this is a oh, yeah. great opportunity, I think, for for the timber industry as a whole, where 
situation where you've got these big piles of sawdust and wood waste that they're having a struggling time to what can you do with it. This is an opportunity that the investors are there. Everything's there. They just need folks to get behind them. And this is one way of getting the folks to understand what's going on so you know the listeners out there what really can be done. It could be a huge bump up. When you're talking, uh, what was what was that, Pete? Uh, was uh, fifty-seven million dollars back into United's, into Minnesota's economy? You could do that just in into Minnesota. Right? Yeah, yeah. Just into Minnesota. Right. For so for for a two and a half million dollar investment a year, you're going to get a return of fifty-eight million. You said fifty-seven. That's that's tremendous. I don't know what that really yeah, is. Like thirty to one. <laughs> Something like that. I mean, my math is not that great, but it's at least that. Well, Peter, we have come to the end of the segment uh, uh, again today, but would you please thank your guests by name here again so that we know who we're talking to this morning? Yeah. uh, You guys want to sign off there, Pete, Dave, and Marty? Could you do it? Sure. Let me start. This is Dave. And if any of your listeners want to participate and help out with the North Star Pellet Plant and support it, just have them email me at dhengel, D-H-E-N-G-E-L, at greaterbemidji.com and let me know. But thank you very much. Thank you, Peter. Uh, Pete, I'll be signing off. And thank you for the opportunity to speak to your listeners about something important to us all in northern Minnesota. Thank you, Brian. Marty Goulet here. Thanks, guys. Um, there is a petition going around, so if you email Dave, we'd love to get that in your hands, get it signed, show show our legislators that people are behind this thing. Well, in fact, uh, Pete Wood, maybe if you can get the get uh, Dave's uh, that site again, we'll put it up on our Facebook page for this for sound off, so that we can get people to sign on to it as well. Because this is this is exciting potential for the state of Minnesota. That is just. you know, when you look at what's happening around us in the world today, the economy the way it is today, this is something that uh, should excite a lot of people and really has phenomenal potential. So, yeah. guys, I, what I'll do, yeah, Brad, is I'll, I'll get the information from them. I'll get it to to you guys, to, to Kenny there, so you can put it up. Um, just a few quick notes. Uh, the, the the paper mills are not taking wood right now, guys in Wisconsin. I know there's loggers listening in Minnesota, Wisconsin, wondering what's going on a little bit. But I would say the wood will probably start flowing to some of these mills here mid-May to mid-June. If you could keep that in mind, guys out okay. there, I know you're listening. You're wondering. We're all wondering. That's as far as I can take it right now. I I, I got to watch what I say on it. But basically, figure mid-May to mid-June you should be able to start moving your product again, okay? Just hang in there. It's it's a rough, it's a bumpy road right now. We all know what it's like. Yeah. So I want to say thanks Absolutely. to everybody willing to take the time to listen. All right. Well, thank you all for, for uh, coming on with us this morning and giving us a little bit of a ray of hope in these tough times. This uh, sounds like an exciting thing. And for those in the Bemidji area, they got to be doing handstands. This could be a continuation of an economic upturn that would be great for that whole area. So, Kenny, we've got to take our Wisconsin news break, and then we will come back and wrap up our number two here on a Wednesday morning in the Northland. Take us with you on your mobile. I listen all day at work. With a free WDSM radio app.